On this episode of Riding the 3x3, Patrick Fetch and I, Russ Heltman, go into all four NBA play-in matchups with the Eastern and Western Conference final two seeds on the line this week. Lane number two, we touch on NFL news and notes. Ryan Kerrigan signs with division rival Philadelphia Eagles, and we give our most bold takes for the rest of the offseason. Lane number three is a freestyle with me touching on some PGA Championship chatter this weekend at the Ocean Course, and Pat has some uh, MLB uh, topics to touch on as we close out the Monday edition right here on Riding the 3x3. Catch us on Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. Go ahead and rate us five stars. Give us a solid review. Keep supporting the Ride in the 3x3 movement. Let's move in to lane number one. Ride in the 3x3 on Monday, May 17th. We're live here on Twitter and Facebook. Joined, as always, by my co-host, Pat Fetch. Pat, I was actually in the Queen City this weekend. I didn't get the link up with you because it was a quick uh, in and out. But FC Cincinnati, first home game. At the new stadium, and sadly, Pat, the uh, the first team in the MLS over the past six six uh, stadium openings to lose their inaugural game at the home uh, the home pitch. Tough to see that, but good to be back in the Queen City, and it, it was a good weekend, man. How was yours? It was great. I guess I'm not important enough to make your quick short list of uh, people to see. Hey, I got in it. I got in at eight on Saturday and, and rolled out right after the game. Long day getting there at about 10 30, 11 in the stadium on uh, on Sunday. But it was fun. The TQL Stadium, Pat, I expect to see you there a couple times this summer. Pack that thing up starting uh starting the middle of June. Absolutely. The, the stadium is beautiful. The team stinks, but at least for the it's meantime, bad. we do yeah, get it's to, tough. It's we tough. do get to enjoy a beautiful stadium in the meantime, though. They did a great job. It's in a great location. And, uh, yeah, I can't wait for it. Hopefully it brings good juju, brings some good energy to the team. Hopefully it all the stars will align with the new TQL Stadium. What a name. Right. Right. There you go. It's, it's a beautiful facility. We love, we love having it out there. Great part of the West End area of downtown Cincinnati. And hopefully the team starting to pick it up a little bit. Got two goals against Miami, but unfortunately – Gave up three on the other end. So some things to clean up, but they will attack that throughout the rest of the season. But, of course, we got a three-pack of segments here for the people on riding the 3 by 3 NBA play-in is set. The standings are finalized. The tanking was a, a running amok yesterday, Pack. I am kicking myself for not even looking at the Clippers and Oklahoma City Thunder matchup, which uh, had the Thunder winning their, I think, second game since the uh, late portion of March. So... Tip of the cap to the Thunder, as we'll also dive into the uh, the Tankathon rankings as well to close out lane number one after diving into the NBA play-in between the East and Western Conference 7 through 10 seeds. NBA, NFL offseason, still talking about it. we got some bold moves, and we probably won't be touching on too much more NFL for the next 30, 35 days before the uh, the mini camps and training camps start to heat up in the middle of the summer. But we got one bold offseason move that we think is going to happen for a particular team or player uh, before week one kickoff of the 2021 NFL season. Then final segment, going to be a freestyle, Pat, PGA Championship. I want to touch on that at the Kiowa Island Ocean Course for the second time ever in its existence, first time since 2012, and Roy McIlroy, winner of the 2012 PGA Championship, catching stride, hitting form very nicely, got a win a couple weeks ago, and he's trying to go back-to-back and make sure no other names etch that trophy next to the Ocean Course moniker. You got some MLB uh, topics for us to bat around as well. Always got some fun at NFL or excuse me, MLB news to talk about. But 
Speaking of fun, and speaking of new, Pat, in the news world, this is brand new in the NBA play-in. We have the 7 through 10 seeds battling it out here on, on Tuesday and Wednesday night, starting off with, of course, they bury the Hornets and Pacers way early. They know nobody's trying to really tune into that one. As my Hornets have fallen off a cliff, Pat, they, I think, went 3-7 and seven down the stretch of the season, really struggled to put consistent play together. Just... I just don't have words, Pat, for how much I miss Gordon Hayward right now. I never thought I'd say that in my life, but my, oh, my, was that guy the skeleton key to this entire kind of reworked Warriors, Spurs-style offense, and especially being able to take care of some kind of defensive responsibilities from the best perimeter scorer on the other end. It's going to make it tough on the Hornets as a three-point underdog to get it done as we look at the first game of the Eastern Conference play. Is there a status update for Gordon Hayward? Is he close to he back? Won't be Is he, gonna, like, he won't be in at all. That is tough. I I do think the Hornets are still the more talented team, especially since the Pacers sort of are at odds with their coach. You might have a little bit more insight on that, but the team basically hates their head coach. Uh, They were one of my teams that I actually left out of the playoffs, and so I wasn't too high. They've got good names when Sabonis is on the court and clicking. He really is, you know, an all-NBA almost type player. But Miles Turner just never seems to step up in these big moments. Really, they're relying on Karis LeVert to play up and above, I think, his real player potential at the moment for them to reach their full potential. So I do like the Hornets to sneak away in this matchup just because of the guard play that they have. I think that they can uh, neutralize Brogdon and make him work a lot on the defensive end. Who's stopping Sabonis, though, Pat? Tell me. Who's going to slow him down enough or be able to give enough front court, like small forward type of play on the other end, power forward type of play to nullify what has been a crazy May for Demonis Sabonis. We're talking about Russell Westbrook averaging a triple-double, of course, but Demonis averaging a triple-double to end uh, the last month of the season, We're talking about the last couple of weeks here in the month of May. So he's a huge problem and Karis Levert scoring like the best of them out to Brogdon starting to hit his stride a little bit more. They're getting healthier. And I don't know, man, it's just the Hornets eight and 16 without Gordon Hayward. He has been the whole team with, when he went down, things really fell off a cliff. LaMelo has not added much winning ability since he's returned. They've lost five in a row. It's t- it's tough for me to think that they're going to go out there on the road and beat the Indiana Pacers. I would love to see it. And, I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking about. I, 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 part of me wants to go go see this game. Like this is this is pretty close to us right here. Uh, very close, to, or a little bit close to you in the Cincinnati area. But six thirty tip. I don't know if I'll be able to make it. Hopefully, catch it on TNT. You're picking the the Hornets though. Are you going to go with them? I'm gonna I'm gonna pick my Hornets to take them out. I, I like. I I, I got to go with the uh, the karma factor here. I can't I can't be rooting against my Hornets and uh, because of the uh, the pick on the pod. So I, I'll, I'll go with you there, but. The trends are not in our favor, Pat, right now. Not a lot of love for P.J. Washington and his uh, ability to stop Sabonis in this one. No. P.J. PJ was about <laughs> five five inches taller. Oh, yeah. We love that matchup. But Demonis Sabonis, who was who was kind of uh, dunked on a little bit by Giannis in the All-Star draft for not being tall enough, has shown to be plenty tall with his play of late. And Karis LeVert also playing a lot better. Eight and sixteen, though Pat Gordon Hayward, he is uh, he's proving I mean, Lamello, why they needed to pay him so much money this offseason. And Lamelo will be the difference maker if the Hornets can win. His just versatility and his ability on and off the ball to just disrupt and create spacing. He's he's elite at that already at his young age. So he right. will be and the if key. They can to make sure. Yeah, right. If he needs to help Rozier 
offensively, which I think he'll be able to do, but also defensively because his length, it has to show up as a factor at some point, and he can't be the number one target on the offensive end when uh, whenever the uh, the team is picking out sets in the half court. So that's going to be a thing to watch with the rookie on that end of the court. And, of course, he's going to have to be pretty lights out on offense to get the job done on the road. But we know this, Pat. If this Hornets team is leading on the road going into the fourth quarter, very likely they're going to get the job done. 22 games. They won their first 22 games when starting the fourth quarter with a lead, but unfortunately blew the nine-point lead yesterday Yesterday against the Washington Wizards in the 115-110 loss that ultimately jumped them, Pat, from the eight seed all the way to the 10 seed, obliterating all those odds that we talked about them needing to have in their favor. And unfortunately, that's the way the uh, the things play out there. But speaking of that eight versus seven game in the Eastern Conference, the Wizards and the Celtics matching up. Seems like uh, the old uh, well, the farmer. You're going to call Russell Westbrook and the Wizards the farmer taking the uh, the cow or whatever farm animal you need to put out the pasture behind the barn and shooting at that because that's kind of what it feels like the Wizards need to do the Celtics right here. A uh, quick one one punch and then maybe the double tap from whoever gets the job done in the nine ten game. So should we talk about the Celtics? I feel like we haven't really discussed them too often on this pod, but what an incredible disappointment and. I mean, obviously, Jalen Brown out for the season. Was there a change to be made if this was a healthy team that goes down this playoff tournament? Do they get another year with Brad Stevens and company? What exactly is the answer for the Celtics? Because you seem you think that uh, Russell Westbrook, Bradley Beal, you think they're going to take down the Celtics easy and handily in this in this play-in? I do. I really do. I think they're going to take them out pretty pretty easily not not easily easily like they're going to get the win it'll be close down the stretch but without Jalen Brown I don't think he that that they have the firepower offensively to get the job done maybe a 50 piece from Jason Tatum but the Wizards I think go out there drop 120 125 on the Celtics they don't quite have enough left in the gas tank and this is a team pat that's like we talked about been down double digit amount of times this year by 20 plus points Uh, a final four contender in the east last year for uh for that Eastern Conference crown or their Eastern Conference finals last year and went to the Eastern Conference finals. So to me it's it's just a little bit too late, a little bit tough for the Celtics to stop a Wizards team that since the beginning of April has been a top three team in terms of net rating and overall record. They've been really good. They've been playing great basketball. I've kind of shunned a little bit of these a couple of these wins down the stretch here, but for the most part, these were legitimate going out there and, and getting the job done with your back against the wall deep in the Eastern Conference playoff standings. And the Wizards, I think, ha- taste it and have tasted it for a while versus the Celtics who are slowly and slowly letting it slip more and more away. I've definitely been to discounting the Wizards as well, taking what we saw from them early on as pretty much who they are as a team. But Russell Westbrook has made a fool out of a lot of us just with how well he's been able to play down the stretch. It'll be extremely interesting. I I think that the Celtics have a little bit of that winner DNA still in them, a little bit of that playoff veteranness. I want to say that Jason Tatum is still the best player on the court, even with Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook. I, I truly do believe that, especially if Tatum is on, especially his ability from the wing position, not necessarily guard. I don't I but, but what's the – I don't know. I'm really more curious about what is the answer. How does this team get back to that level? Because somebody is going to have to rise the occasion or Tatum is going to have to be that first NBA all-team player. I think this is a huge opportunity him for him to establish that is to win this game, take down the Wizards, keep the Celtics in that 
sort of upper echelon of the Eastern Conference as an established playoff team. So I hope that I hope that this one's an interesting game at least. And uh, I think it will be. It'll be close. Like what's the what's the line right now? We got the uh, the Celtics favored by or the Celtics a uh, two point favorite at home. So yeah, the the prognosticators, the ESPN Power Index. They, the Vegas, they all think that the Celtics should be favored here and should win the game. I just, like, from what I've seen of this team, they've they've just slowly rolled over. It's why I led with the farmer analogy right there. It's just kind of time to take the take the Boston Celtics out the pasture, and maybe maybe it would be deathly ironic if they get taken out by uh, the Miles Turner uh, team in Indiana, who does not have is Turner Turner still banged up? I think he might be still banged up a little bit there with his injury, but he uh, he was a guy that the Celtics probably should have gone after or tried to do something with Gordon Hayward in that contract slot, who they turned into Evan Fournier, Pat. Evan Fournier, a guy that's never really played any time in the playoffs, and he kind of just really embodies empty stats on the Orlando Magic. That's what I think of when I think of Evan Fournier. Evan Fournier is uh, – I completely forgot he was on the Celtics for a while there. You had, like, me completely thrown off guard. Yeah, he, he's – I know. Well, he went on the COVID list right when he got there, so I think he's right. only been there. Like, he's been playing in, like, a, maybe a, a little over a month's worth of games, not even – he can definitely be a bit of an X factor for that team as well, trying to figure out where this extra scoring is going to come from without Jalen Brown. That's who they're hoping it's going to be, right? It has to be. And I think Jalen Brown going out is going to give Tatum a little bit of an opportunity to sort of separate himself. I feel like right now we push them as this duo very, very tough, at least in the media and the narrative of the media. And I don't think necessarily that they – have to play like that. I think it'll be interesting to see Tatum break away from that that uh, one-two punch of him and Brown and really be able to see what he can do on his own, especially as he leads a team. Because I feel like you see some Paul Pierce and Jason Tatum, and I think he needs to be on his own to really unlock that the truth aspect of his game. So I hope that he gets an opportunity to do that. And frankly, I'll be rooting for the Celtics just a little bit, I think just because I like the Brad Stevens whole element of them. I want to see them be good just because of the run that they had for those couple of years. But this is going to be a major test for just what is left in the spirit of that uh, Boston Celtics team. That it will be. We shall see to banking on them. Tightly contested games. Hopefully we'll get on Tuesday night and then Wednesday night, moving over to the Western conference. We'll go through this one pretty quickly. I don't have much care at all about this, Pat. I'm just bitter, just a little bitter (laughs) that, that Stan Van Gundy kept Zion Williamson from us in the 9-10 game between the Spurs and the Grizzlies. Memphis, a three-and-a-half-point favorite. I would be not shocked if the Spurs beat him. I don't know, Pat. I don't have much much to uh, much to dissect on this game other than DeMar DeRozan probably going to be able to get the job done better than John Morant in crunch time just based on overall experience, veteran savvy, the chip on his shoulder he's had in San Antonio, and the fact that John Morant – like we talk about DeMar DeRozan not shooting threes, but at least DeMar DeRozan can hit him at a decent clip. John Moran has been horrible this year. On the season, he's shooting a uh, a, a putrid mark, below 35% uh, league average on the year, 30% overall this season after uh, after shooting well over 30 in his rookie year. He's fallen off a cliff in that aspect along with his free throw rate. And meanwhile, I just think mano a mano, best guy, best guy right now. I'd probably give it to DeMar DeRozan, and I'd be taking the Spurs in this game. I like the argument you put together there, but I think the X factor for the Grizzlies and why they keep winning so many games is Valanciunas down low. And I don't know who on the Spurs really matches up incredibly well against him. 
just the two man game of the pick and roll with them. The Grizzlies do a lot of things sneaky well, and really the Spurs don't have a lot of depth whatsoever. And especially with Derek White out, they really don't have a lot of off the ball scoring. I don't really like the Spurs at all. I think they're probably the worst team of all eight playing in these playing games. I'm going to go with the Grizzlies. I really think the Grizzlies are just a better, more well-rounded team, more athletic team, younger team, a little bit more spirit. Um, If the Spurs win this one, it's going to be a boring win. I I know that much. And it's going to be a lot of mid-range you to death, uh, a lot of fouls, a lot of free throws. If the Grizzlies can just not play overly sloppy, I think they're the much better team than I I like them to win this game. I'll I'll take the Grizzlies. I actually think I'm the most confident on the Grizzlies out of any of these four games. So I think about it. Wow. All right, Pat, very confident betting against Greg Popovich. It's worked so well for this podcast so far uh, in 2021. Uh, Moving along to the marquee game, saving it best for last. Steph Curry, LeBron James, two – Greatest of his generation players, greatest shooter of all time, matching up in uh, what could be the uh, the playoff matchup of the entire week, even going into the first round, uh, tipping off on the weekend. Lakers, a 60% favorite on ESPN, a four-and-a-half-point favorite on, uh, on the old Desert Sands of Vegas, Pat. Who do you like here? I'll let you kick us off with this analysis before I give my take in a game that is probably going to confirm some things health-wise for the Los Angeles Lakers, namely the two-man game between LeBron James and Anthony Davis, which should feast on this Golden State front line. Is this exactly what the NBA wanted, or is this almost too much for the play It's almost game? like they rigged it, Pat. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to be the guy to say it, but I'm, I'll just put it out there. Well, it's criminal that we're going to lose one of these two teams, I believe, right? Isn't that how, that, how this works? That, no, they go, they go and play the winner of the 9-10. Okay. Okay, so yeah, it's not an elimination game, which is kind of weird, but I get it. You don't want to take, take, you don't want to make it sudden death automatically for the teams that were much better than the nine ten. Right, absolutely, but um, it's going to be incredible. This is exactly what the NBA wanted in this sense to get superstars in an extremely high pressure game early to make more of a moment out of these, uh, you know, later seed games, and also make the end of the regular season more interesting. And Steph Curry's already been the one to rise to the moment and really uh, take the NBA for its challenge, went out there and won the scoring title, really willed the Warriors into this position, going without Klay Thompson for the whole year. James Wiseman, their number two overall selection, who gets injured you know, halfway through the season, so you don't even have their young you know, young athletic superstar potential guy waiting in the wings to really learn from this moment. Steph has had to take it's it. It's the same team as up. last year, right? As the yeah. number one pick team as last year, but they just added Steph for the whole season. Exactly. And he's been electric, obviously just had won the scoring title just last night with a 40-whatever, 30-whatever point performance. Really has just put on some electric. Some of his best games of his career he's put on this year, believe it or not. Just 10 threes, the the stat that he has 60 games of 10 or more threes (laughs) or whatever is versus the rest of the NBA, which is basically that and the rest of his history. Uh, that's not that number is too high. I think it's something around like 30 or 20, but he's just incredible. Everything about Steph Curry is electric to watch. I'm definitely going to take the Warriors just because of that little potential that he goes nuclear. And I don't know how you stop it. I don't know who has the energy to run with him on the Lakers. Uh, it's an old team. They don't have the legs. They don't have the young guns that they can just throw around screens at him. And I think Steph's crafty enough, good enough 
Draymond's going to have to arise to the moment and play smart, not turn the ball over a lot, not take any dumb shots. Uh, and then they're going to need a second score somewhere. So whether it's Ubre, Wiggins, Wiggins, I heard Bill Simmons on his pod say that Wiggins revenge game because of uh, LeBron shunning him in Cleveland when he made his return and Wiggins really, really keeping that within his cold soul, Pat, we know how much of a killer Andrew Wiggins. That'd be awesome. I'd be what's an over under for points. Do you think on Wiggins like 15? You think he goes for, I haven't looked at it. I bet it's probably hovering around 18, 19. I think that's what he's averaging this year. What, what do Ubre or Wiggins have to score for the, the Warriors to win this game? Like, say Steph gets Well, we 35. know Steph's got to get 40. We know that's got to happen. He's got to hit he's 40. Hit 40. And we need at least – I think you need at least 40. You need you need 80 out of Steph, Ubre, and uh, and Wiggins. I think you need that to, to pull this off. Because they're not going to let anyone else score, Pat. This is the number one not defense by a pretty significant, pretty stamping margin this season. And the, what Frank Vogel's done without the majority – of the games being played with uh, the combination of his stars and Anthony Davis and Lamar, LeBron James. It's really impressive. And I just, I don't see how this team that's so offensively challenged, even with Steph Curry gets the job done. And I wouldn't expect this to be a pretty high scoring game, Pat Golden State top, uh, I think top six or seven in their own right in defensive efficiency this season. So this is going to be a nice old fashioned. I think the, uh, we might get it in the first three playing games at spurts, but this is going to be a classic, return to playoff form defense type of game that we haven't seen, obviously, since the bubble last year. I don't expect the Lakers to put up more than 110 points in this game. I th- I'd be surprised if they did put up. Yeah, whoever that, hits so. 110 first, I think, wins. I think that's – that's, that's this could be – this if they even hit 110, I would – I don't know. It, it might not even happen between either team. Right, and that, that has to make you feel good looking as a Warriors side of things. That's an attainable number if you're the Warriors to go out there and get – I think versus a Lakers team, especially one that hasn't been playing together, that chemistry might not be not show up on the offensive side just because of how talented, how good of just pure basketball players that they have and scores. But that chemistry could very well show up on the defensive side when they're not used to seeing a team, especially a team that's going to be uh, throwing out as so much motion as the Warriors. Steph Curry goes around screens left and right. They've got very intricate offensive plays and motion schemes the Warriors do. So I think that will be a very interesting dynamic of this, uh, something that the, the Lakers will have to game plan for. No doubt. So you're taking the Warriors. I'm not touching it, Pat. I learned last year and I've learned over the last decade. I'm not doubting LeBron James. He's fine. He's completely healthy. We know he is. He just took those games off because they didn't matter. They actually have a pretty favorable uh, type of stretch here going into uh, into the playoffs when you think about their seating. So if they win this game, which obviously it relies on, on winning this game, the Lakers would then play the Suns, who haven't been in the playoffs, Pat, since you and I were uh, just kind of, yeah, middle school. Yeah, when we were middle school. So that's going to be a tough one for the Suns to swallow in their first ever uh, taste of the playoffs in over a decade. And then if they win that game, they get the winner of the uh, the 3-6 matchup in, um, in the Portland Trailblazers and the Denver Nuggets. So that works out pretty well, Pat. They're going to end up avoiding the Clippers and the Utah Jazz, arguably the two, I would say, most dangerous teams or closest teams to the Lakers in this uh, in this play or in this playoffs. I do like the Blazers. Talk about clutch. Dame is clutch, hitting their over to save guys' houses. They score so many points, and I think a team like that could definitely be dangerous. The Blazers just continue to 
to scratch and claw their way into these playoffs, into high moments, into Western Conference championships. I do think that the Blazers would be team to look out there for. I think they could go take down both the Nuggets and the Lakers. I really do think so. Really? You think they have the defense to be able to do that? No, but they have the offense too. Yeah, Steve, Pat, I'm putting – see, I'm just going to st- – I'm stocking – I'm almost – I'm going to – we're going to give our playoff predictions uh, on the on Thursday show, but I'm almost inclined to – to pick the uh, the Sixers to to outlast the Nets and, and go against my preseason pick. I don't think I'm going to do it, but I'm almost inclined to because of the defensive, defensive metrics. I think it's going to play a huge factor. The defensive uh, the discrepancy and the different styles of play have never been starker in the NBA as they have been this season. I think it's really going to matter, especially when the stakes are so much higher. These guys are going to care a lot more when they uh, aren't looking at a nice, tasty – Quick, uh, quick, quick trip at 4 a.m. back home, getting back on the flight the next day, doing another round road trip, all that stuff that was very abnormal this season in 2021. But I'm going Lakers. You're you're picking this, the Warriors to kick the Lakers to a sudden death game. I'm doing it. Let's go, right. Steph Curry, baby. He likes uh, he likes Alan Smilagic and Eric Pascal against uh, Anthony Davis. Kevon Looney, people. He's banking on Kevon Looney. I love it. All right, so Pat and I, quick run through the picks on the playing game. I'm on the Hornets. He's on the Hornets. I'm on the Wizards. You're on the Celtics, right? I'm on the Wizards. You're on the Wizards? All right. And then I am on the Spurs. He's on the Grizzlies. So we agree on the East, and we disagree completely on the uh, West. He's on the Grizzlies and on the Warriors as I'm on the Lakers. Rolling in the lane number two as we uh, we keep things rolling along here. Quick NFL news and notes segment before we get to the bold predictions. Brian Kerrigan, Pat, the all-time leading sacker for the Washington football team, joined up with them in 2011, been there well over a decade, 32 years old, uh, solid 10 years with the team, 95 and a half sacks, 147 quarterback hits, but – was frustrated with playing time in 2020, only about 38% of the team snaps, and saw an opportunity with the Philadelphia Eagles. Had 13 and a half sacks against this team in his career. That's tied with the Cowboys. Obviously, played those teams the most in the NFC East for any team that he had sacks against throughout his uh, his time in Washington. Uh, made a joke about being hated uh, before today and now being loved by the Eagles on social media. I think this is a solid pickup, Pat, and Philadelphia a sneaky decent defense that if the weapons around Jalen Hurts can hit could could maybe make Philadelphia have have the ability to make some noise in the NFC East but I'm hesitant to say that with my uh my my preconceived notions around Jalen Hurts' ability to hit receivers let alone open receivers yeah that being said it's still a great pickup because you love adding depth on the defensive line veteran depth and you know especially someone who can get to the passer you can put him in third downs, play him spottingly. I think it's still a good uh, pickup, and it'll be very interesting. Good for the dynamic of the locker room. I always find it very interesting, these cross-division moves, especially these rivalry moves, going from the Washington football team over to the Eagles, Kerrigan. We see it a lot in the AFC North between Steelers Harrison, and Bengals. Harrison went from the Steelers to the Bengals? Back that was to a the terrible Bengals. trade, Pat. I hated that. He was horrible in <laughs> the Bengals. Then he went back and was like decent for the Steelers the next year. Uh, amazing. Amazing how that works, isn't it, Russ? But yeah, you oh, got guys like Joe Hayden that go back and forth. You just have all of these, all these examples. So I find it 
do you think players get attracted to these teams that they play them so often? They start getting some like affinity for a team that they they're hate. talking to the players like after the game yeah. and stuff. They get comfortable yeah. with say the coaches or the the field. Um, they you know they like going to the city. And Kerrigan, well, and another thing, Kerrigan, he's getting older. He's not as well liked in that Washington behemoth front with like who, how many? He's got two or three guys around him that are going to be much more beloved, even in, in right off the bat, off the cuff, Chase, Chase Young and Montez Sweat. So you give tossing guys like uh, Shaka Tony, William Bradley King, who they drafted this year, um, James Smith Williams, Casey Tuhill. They got like six, seven deep in the. Uh, defensive end room versus in in uh, in Philadelphia, he can go in there and be a part of a four man rotation that can slot throughout the defense. And the the defensive defensive coordinator for Philly, Jim Schwartz, kind of assured him that he'd get much more opportunity, some more playing time than he did last year. When thirty eight percent of the team's defensive snaps for a guy that normally played sixty five seventy percent to still produce five and a half sacks and five tackles for loss in twenty nineteen or excuse me in twenty twenty, that's pretty impressive. And I think he still has something left in the tank to at least round out and bolster a, a defensive uh, defensive line room. I was hoping even the Bengals would sign him and kind of beef up their depth a little bit more there, but it did not seem like that was going to come to fruition. Well, you know what? Going to the Philadelphia Eagles, now he gets an opportunity to go back and play his old team in Washington twice a year, show him why he still deserves the snaps over those <laughs> young bulls that they got on that D-line over in Washington. So I guess that's probably another reason why these guys like to go in division, in a rivalry, a little bit of pettiness involved to it as well, perhaps. Well, well be, uh, Pat, he would, he, would, uh, he would not agree with you on that. Quote, no, not at all, Kerrigan said. I'm not like, oh, I've got to go get revenge. Get revenge on Washington, question mark. The place has been so good to me. No, that wasn't a thought at all. So come on. Boom, that packet dunked on that <laughs> I need some professional wrestling attitude out of Ryan Kerrigan. That He's, never gonna make it. He's never going to make it in WWE after his career is over. What is he thinking? He's got to make <laughs> sure he's planning ahead, planning for those checks after football. He's got no idea what he's doing right now. Hurting his stock, but no, he's good guys. We like good guys. He could play a Chris Long esque role for that Eagles team, perhaps on another right. Super Bowl run. That's what we're looking for from him now. I like that. I like that. Another uh, pretty highly drafted guy that goes and makes the best of a new home after being in a situation for a long, long time. Some guys that might pop up in situations for a long, long time in our bull prediction segment, Pat. I don't know what you're going to take. I'll go ahead and start us off. My bull prediction is Justin Fields starting with no doubt week one of the NFL season, maybe starting from the beginning or middle of training camp. I think it's going to be very quick, Pat, the rise of Justin Fields, especially in this Matt Nagy offense that once upon a time was very beneficial to quarterbacks that can understand the reads, understand the sets, buy into a system and execute it flowingly, which Mr. Trubisky never was able to do. You have to be able to hit open receivers that are created in the flow of this Matt Nagy offense. Mr. Trubisky, did not consistently do that. And because of that, he got tepid. He got timid. He started running around, tried to become Mitchell Wheels, which just did not happen. Maserati Mitch never came to fruition. And we got to where we are now with the Bears having to give up a decent haul with the Giants to go get Justin Fields. It's too much risk on the line. There's too few games in the NFL season. There's too much left out there for Adam uh, or for 
our guy, um, not Adam Gates, or Matt Nagy. He's always getting to be Adam Gates level, Pat. He doesn't want to get that final fate, that final axe from Chicago. It's time to start the rookie. They need to start him early. He can execute this offense. He's going to be able to hit open receivers, which is so crucial in this system and something Mitchell Trubisky was never able to do. And on top of that, he's much faster, much more athletic, and much stronger than anything Mitchell Trubisky was ever able to give them. And I'm not even going to even – do I even need to talk about the speed comparison and, and physical comparison to Andy Dalton? It's not close. I feel like Matt Nagy is going to have this attitude that he can't play Justin Fields week one just because of the primetime nature of it. He's almost going to uh, feel like the moment's too big for him. But I think the irony of it is that Justin Fields performs better under that type of spotlight and that pressure. He loves the moment. We saw it. Right. When has he not been able to answer that, though? We haven't seen it. Exactly. So I hope that Justin Fields gets the opportunity Monday night football week one. Lights shining bright. He gets to go out there and in LA, his, baby. Uh, and that would be Plus, very, why would you put Andy fun. Dalton on Monday Night Football or Sunday Night Football, Pat? Come on, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? We know what that. Hey, we know where that train's going. Because you don't. Because you're Matt Nagy and you don't watch the tape. That's why. Because if you do watch the tape, you know exactly why. Exactly why you don't do that. All right, Pat's been Pat's been crunching the tape. I know it for this bull prediction segment. What do you got for me, bud? I'm going real bold. So I looked at this uh, real hard. I wasn't sure whatsoever what direction I would go with this. had no idea where to go with it. So I looked at what I find the most uh, precarious of all situations, and that is Jimmy Garoppolo's in San Francisco currently. And something's got to happen. I just don't see a world where Garoppolo is still on that roster come week one, especially given the assets that the 49ers gave up to move up to get Trey Lance. Something's got to happen. I, I look at Jimmy Garoppolo and I say, where could he go? And he could go exactly to a home in New Orleans. The New Orleans Saints are going to move on from Jameis Winston they are not going to give Taysom Hill the keys to the offense, and they're going to go make a move for Jimmy Garoppolo. He's going to come in, and he will be the starting quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. I'm going real bold. I'm coming out of left field here, Russ. I'm the first one here who said it, the first one who reported it, because I think it makes sense. I'm not so certain that Sean, certain that Sean Payton wants to roll the dice with Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston, especially coming off of – you know, the luxury that was one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time in Drew Brees. So I I look at that situation. I think it could be a perfect match for Jimmy Garoppolo. And uh, that'll be my bold prediction to come to fruition soon. Jimmy Garoppolo traded to the New Orleans Saints will be week one starter. What do you think about that? It's a, I like, that's the perfect tinge of bold, Pat. I like that. A little out of left field, haven't heard it, getting recycled all day long on the talk shows. I, I like that. Jimmy G in New Orleans, he's been good. Like he's a 75% winning quarterback with a great system, great team around him. He can execute the offense. Uh, I, I think that would work out if they're able to swallow the injury risk there and maybe have the 49ers eat a little bit of that contract. We'll see how that works out with uh, with cap, uh, cap considerations and all that. But yeah, like is he – would I take him over Jameis Winston? Yeah, I would. Would I take him over Taysom Hill? Yep, no doubt. That was quick for me. Quick answer right there. So I, I like that. That's a good go to a little bold tinge. And so, that obviously would mean Trey Lance ascends very quickly within the 49ers system, starting with uh, hopefully – well, they are, I don't know if they've had rookie minicamp yet, all the teams getting that worked out uh, from last week all the way into the next uh, couple. But I'm sure Trey Lance is going to 
going to wow us a little bit with uh, with with all those classic uh, drills on air that matter so much. Pat. I feel like people want to forget the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo took the Niners within one throw of a Super Bowl, right? I mean, he, right. he missed the throw fine, but he still brought a great team to the Super Bowl, took them all the way to that final moment. And who's to say that the uh, next time he plays that, they're in a dome and the wind doesn't catch that and the pass doesn't go long and it lands right in the wide receiver's hands, you know? So I still have faith in Jimmy Garoppolo to lead a good team. The Saints are a great team, and really all they need is a winner who's not going to lose games for them and help put that team in the right situation. He's got the weapons like Kamara and Michael Thomas, who are probably better than any of the players that were on that offense. I guess Kittle was probably better, but still different sort of tool within the scheme. I think it could be a great match. I, I think that, uh, and I think Sean Payton is someone who's just bold enough to try it as well. We shall see. We shall see. Bold predictions. I like it. Pat with Jimmy G being the uh, the week one starter for the New Orleans Saints. And I got Justin Fields leaving no doubt as to who should uh, be suiting up there week one at uh, at the new SoFi Stadium. First time they're going to have a full packed house. Or I don't know how packed the house will be with the California restrictions and all that. But a lot of fans should be at SoFi Stadium for that one. And I'm hoping to get out to Soldier Field this year, Pat. Where Are the pitch Steelers playing the Bears at home or on the road? I do not know. I know the Bengals. Yeah, Bengals are at – Bengals are uh, are at the Bears week two. So get the rookie quarterback or Andy Dalton early. I would like that. I would like that a lot more than having to travel to Chicago uh, way late on that. On that. Um, yeah, it looks like Justin Fields is going to have to make the trip to Heinz Field November 8th. So pretty early, too. Mm, no too bueno. Early, I would not like that if I'm Justin Fields. Never like going to going to, uh, to go into Heinz Field as a rookie quarterback. Taking on the Mike Tomlin-led crew at Say what you want about Mikey T. Has never had a losing season in the NFL as a head coach. Very impressive stuff right there. And it was a very impressive second segment. A little bold prediction stuff action from Pat and myself. Lane number three freestyle segment. I'm going to hold uh, – I'll close with – actually, no, we're starting with the golf. Let's start with the golf. We'll end with the uh, the Major League Baseball. 2021 PGA Championship. Pat is upon us in South Carolina. The Ocean Course hosting for the second time in the uh, at the home of the Kiowa Island Resort, right, uh, very close, about twenty miles from Charleston, South Carolina. One of my favorite destinations to vacation as a kid. The Ocean Course is beautiful. One of the most picturesque golfing destinations in the country, probably in the world. And I can't wait to see this puppy on full display for extended, complete coverage. Pat, we actually get hundreds of hours of live coverage this week, as opposed to the measly little crumbs of snicker bars we got from the masters that we, uh, that they, for some reason restrict every single year. But I digress back to this point, the PGA championship is going to be a lot of fun to watch. I highly recommend everyone tuning in. This course is going to be a beast, nearly 7,900 yards of distance. It's the longest major championship course on record eclipsing the 2017 Aaron Hills layout during the U.S. Open. And we could get some U.S. Open type scores, Pat, with the uh, the leaders in the clubhouse in terms of odds right now looking like a, uh, a, a cream, cream of the crop. Who's who in terms of Rory McIlroy up there. We got guys like uh, like uh, Patrick Reed up there as well. It's going to be very interesting to see who can come out on top here and who can flash the uh, the most power throughout the weekend. You, you eyeing anybody in the PGA Championship? How are you feeling about the uh, second major of the year? 
Where, where's Bryson at? All I heard was long course. I want to know where the beast is. Is he is he getting some good odds out there smashing drives? Here we go. Top to the top fifteen or so guys here. Bryson DeChambeau twenty nine to one. Pat. He is at the uh, bottom of this list. We got Rory seven to one. Brooks Kepka eight fifty plus eight fifty. Dustin Johnson eleven to one. Justin Thomas twelve to one. And uh, we got the. What am I talking about, Pat? This is this is completely wrong. This is the twenty twenty PGA Championship. Odds oh, Action Network right here uh, throwing me off, but I'll pull those up for you. It, it's gonna Action be Network. it's gonna be very interesting to me to see if the long drivers can come out on top here, or if the wind lends itself to the same kind of trend we had in 2012 with a lot of guys, um, with a lot of guys facing issues with high ball flights. You got to keep that ball low. You got to be able to flight it nicely. That can lend a nice trend towards European high finishers. We had a lot of guys from Europe finish high in last year's event or in the 2012 event. We could be seeing that as well in, uh, in this upcoming battle, but Dustin Johnson, 18 to one on the, uh, on the list right here. And we also got Daniel Berger there at 14 to one, Victor Hovland, 25 to one, Bryson DeChambeau, he is uh he is cooking at they don't have a uh, a a a list right here pat what are we doing patrick reed 35 to 1 all that good stuff for the uh the 2021 pga championship well i will definitely be looking into that i love the idea of the extended coverage that makes it so much better looking into that right. uh live line section of my book going to be looking for some player mashups trying to be enjoying that part of the game because that's really where uh, you can have the most fun it's just going hold to hold. right it's tough, it's to, tough get to hit the winner yeah yeah Bryce DeChambeau 15 to 1 pat i don't i don't know i don't like the the i don't like the value as much there especially when the wind the way it can change so often so quickly right on that uh that atlantic ocean how is he going to be able to crunch the numbers on that puppy that's a little too <laughs> stiff for me at 15 to 1. I do love this is the guy I will give out Mark Leishman, the Australian, one of the best brawl strikers on tour, played really well at the uh, at the Masters, had a top 15 finish there. He's a guy that has nice value sitting there at about I think he's about he's 55 60 to 1. He's 80 to 1 on these Vegas insider odds right now. So, shop around a little bit on that one. Has not won a major championship, but is looking to punch that ticket for the first time of his career and make it happen, Pat. I think he's got a chance. And I think a lot of international guys are going to be showing out well because of the link style course play that we're going to see here. I love, I lo you're talking it up. It's great. Everything I'm imagining is like a picturesque Tiger Woods PGA championship going in on the shore, going in on the, uh, on the Atlantic ocean. It'll be exciting. I can't wait to see this. I'll be all over it. I, I do got a little bit of a baseball update too. Should we move into that? Let's do it. Close it out with the baseball. Because we have really, really important news. We had another dumb baseball injury. We have them every year. They're great. Recently, we just talked about Jesus Lazardo, who oh, punched no. his hand while he was losing in Call of Duty on the coffee table and broke his pinky. Well, now we got Oscar Inoa. He, uh, the brave pitcher, Y-N-O-A. I'm sure you guys have seen him on the bat lines. He recently yeah, what was up with this, Pat? Yeah, he, he was uh, getting blown up by the Milwaukee Brewers in his last starting out, went to the dugout, and uh, had a boxing match with the wall, punched his hand, broke his hand, basically, fractured his hand. He's out like three to four weeks, maybe even more than that. And so 
I think, oh, sorry, months. He's at a couple months, they're saying now, because he broke his hand. You just got to love it. Baseball players and uh, stupid injuries, dumb injuries, weird injuries, that, that they're always here. They're always around. Got to love that. But uh, other news in baseball, don't look, uh, don't look now, but the Toronto Blue Jays are streaking. They are hot and they are exciting. We did uh, mention them briefly in our season update. They were the, like, the fun team this year. The, the young team that was going to get everyone by surprise. And they are absolutely balling right now. Vlad Guerrero Jr. has been one of the best players in all of baseball. I got the fan graphs up right now. They have him third best in all baseball right behind Xander Bogarts and Mike Trout. Been a beast. And so look out. Robbie Ray's had a little bit of a resurgence for the Blue Jays. George Springer, obviously, bringing that Houston Astro championship pedigree to the lineup as well. Got to love what we're seeing in Toronto. I think that's a really, really exciting team. And of all the teams in that division, you know, the Yankees, no one wants to see them. The Red Sox, they don't even want to win anyway. So why, why should they win a division? The Rays were just there last year. I'm rooting for the Blue Jays. They could take the whole Major League Baseball by storm. And I think they would be everyone's favorite team very quickly, too, just because of how exciting, how young they are. Bo Bichette at shortstop, crushing the ball. One of the best shortstops in baseball right now. A little bit of baseball update for you, too. So in between the PGA, throw some uh, throw some little wagers on the Toronto Blue Jays in the coming week, perhaps, because they are hot. They are uh, plus 36 in the run differential now. One, seven of ten. They're doing well. Winning, winning series up there in Toronto. I guess down there in Tampa, I should say. Soon to be in Buffalo, right? Because they'll be moving up there in June. Yeah, they'll be all over the world. You could They're like the Globetrotters. You just catch them. Be in India, town. Honduras. <laughs> it's going to be like Formula One, Pat. That's what it's going to be like. I've been huge in the Formula One lately. I got into that Netflix show. It's amazing. I love watching it. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a beautiful new sport that I'm, that I'm diving into. It's, it's nice to find sports that I know nothing about, and I can just enlighten myself with it. But I learned uh, a, a team about- that – yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I learned a lot about rugby uh, earlier during the pandemic, right at the end of the pandemic. I, I Unfortunately, I got into it right at the end of rugby season, but I know exactly what you mean. It's beautiful to get into a new right. sport that you weren't Have you seen the, uh, the all or nothing thing on Amazon with the all blacks? That's what, if you would probably like that. If, if you, I'm sure that. I would. Is there a lot of Hakka material in that? I hope so. Yes, I think so. I, I, <laughs> I have not watched it, but I, I've, I've heard it's amazing. I've heard it's amazing. The, the, the Blue Jays, though, one and a half back, Pat. I like, I like what I'm seeing out of them. A lot of young, fun firepower. And I'm more intrigued, though, right now. The, the, the MLB thing that's, that's perked my interest is obviously our guy Pujols slotting into the, uh, the Dodgers, uh, the Dodgers machine, the world-beating machine, adds 41-year-old Albert Pujols do we think he makes any kind of actual effect or matters at all for this Dodgers team the rest of the season? Maybe as a sort of pseudo bench coach. And I think that it has to be more of his role. He did talk about that. He went to the Dodgers because of the way Dave Roberts described what his role on the roster would be. The team is so injured right now also that, I mean, why not add just another bat there on the roster? When this team does get healthy, there's no reason you should ever see the field just because how versatile their roster is, how dynamic, how good their roster is. So in that sense, they probably do have just a wasted spot on the roster they can use on a veteran who knows how to win, 
been there before and understand what it's like to be an MB, MVP and deal yeah. with that pressure at a young age. Because everything that, say, Mookie Betts or Cody Bellinger or Corey Seager or any of you uh, name MVP caliber players on that roster, everything they're going through right now, Pujols has been through in his career. So I think that perspective, that wisdom, having an all-time great, it can't necessarily hurt the team. You know, I don't see him getting too many at bats outside of say just pinch hitting and, and relieving guys every once in a while, especially when they yeah. get healthy. Speaking of that, Pat, pinch hit, pinch hitting. Albert Pujols in his career has taken twelve thousand four hundred eighty-six career plate appearances, forty-one of them as a pinch hitter, a crisp 033 percent. Gotta love that. You gotta What's his average? Do you have his stats as a pinch hitter in front of you? No, I don't. This is just part of the uh, the article I'm reading right here, but. No, I don't have the stats. His last hit as a pinch hitter, though, was in 2009. <laughs> Not a lot of pinch hitting going on in the American League. so Most of the careers in the MLB over the past decade have come and gone while Albert Pujols has waited to get his next uh, next attempt as a uh, pinch hitter. But according to this ESPN article, his stat cast slugging percentage, expected slugging percentage, is 513 this year, which would be his best since the uh, StatCast came onto the scene in 2015. So could be a sign of unluckiness, Pat, but ultimately he might not get any, enough chances to prove that that unluckiness is going to bear out. Sample size probably has a lot to do with that. Yeah. There's a reason There's a reason the Angels got rid of him. But, and there's a reason that the Dodgers took him at a price tag that was much, much lower. And so uh, it, it could all make sense. I hope it works out for the collective. It's happy. It's nice to see Pujols not have to go to say some middling or just like disastrous team that is uh, just there to get some ticket sales there to do a show out of the end of his career. It's happy that he seems to be getting a little bit more of a happier ending than just getting DFA from the uh, LA angels, which is for sure. Just an awful Hopefully thing to have. maybe we'll get some big moments. David freeze has gone to, the, uh, to the Dodgers before and got the job done. Chase Utley, of course, later in his career, got the job done with the Dodgers a little bit. So we'll see what happens. Pat and I got the job done today, today on yes, we did. riding the three-by-three. Three. Yes, sir. It was a lot of fun. For Patrick Fetch, I'm Russ Heltman. We wish everybody a happy, healthy rest of the week. We will, of course, be back with you on Thursday for a full NBA playoffs preview and all the other pressing news in the sports world. Have a great week, everybody.